Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for August 3rd of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Wallace from HockeyHurts.com. And welcome back to the podcast. Um, I'm all done with vacations and fish shows and knee surgeries. Cam, you're you're back in your hometown. I am, and it's freaking freezing. <laughs> Winter time. Bullshit. And the flu. Yeah, that's what happens when you go from a sunny climate to a cold climate. That's Get hilarious. Yourself... You went from England to Australia, and you went from sunny to cold. <laughs> uh, the weather here is bitter. It's just pissing down rain all the time, and it's just cold. Like, apparently we've had the warmest July recorded on record, and I know we're now in August, but over here in WA, shit, it's cold. You know, it's not too many months a year you have a Western New York guy saying the weather's been great, but it has. It's been, been good it's not, stuff. It's not too many months of the year you'll have a guy at WA say the weather's been shit, but July has been terrible, and I was really hoping I'd get back and August would be an upswing. Eyes wrong. But, uh, yeah, between all of that, that's kind of why we've had a little mini hiatus going on here. Uh, so apologies for that. But um, we got some stuff to talk about. we got a uh, few players that avoided arbitration with uh, Pittsburgh. And also Minnesota has a few guys they just signed of interest. But I think what we're going to lead off with today is uh, kind of a bummer for people like Depressing. myself and Cam. Uh, David Johnson's hockey analysis site was taken down today, as well as uh, Kevin Kahn's data rink. And, man, so much of my work has been done through hockey analysis over the years. That was the cleanest, quickest. Uh, it didn't have all the bells and whistles that maybe War on Ice and Corsica had. But... It was just such a clean interface, loaded like that. Uh, most of the time when, you know, you'd hear us looking up stats on the podcast in the background, uh, it, it was it was that site. And we're also, <laughs> it was a main source of the with, with or without use and all that. So I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to David Johnson for providing that uh, resource for, for this many years because that's that was the site I... Throughout my whole blogging, or even prior to that, when I was just learning about all the stuff, that that was my go-to. So, ah, that really fucking pissed why me is, off. Why, why is why is DJ offline? Who's taking him on? Well, you have to assume somebody is because so many of his tweets were deleted as well. Ah, uh, right, yeah. So we'll Jeez, we'll see. It's a tough gig, isn't it? It's a tough gig, yeah. Go out there and you put your opinion out there and your product, and then they go, "All right, let's bring you on board," and they just carve you up like you don't exist anymore. Which is half the point of hiring in the first place. Uh, yeah, it sucks. It for for you know those in the hockey world that in, enjoy having more than just Phil opinions out there and actually trying to understand why things happen on the ice. Losing all of these guys becomes difficult. And that's not to say there aren't other sites out there now still. Um, Natural Stat Trick will be a valuable one uh, right now. Um, Hockey Reference has some of the information, even though it's kind of 
pain in the butt to use. Uh, what else is there? I mean, cap friendly for a whole different reason. And then there's Mica. Oh well, of course. You know what? I, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Mica's got Mica's more visualization, though. I mean, you, there, there's still a need for broad data. Yeah, and that's that's the the hard part with it. It's like I was thinking about this um, driving home uh, today. You get there and go, well, Mica's stuff's still up and and running, and you go, yeah, but you can't extrapolate the data out and manipulate it so that you can try and find something out or if you see something that's happening on the ice, see whether the, the numbers correlate to what you're seeing. You, you don't have that um, ability with Micah's stuff. It's, it's great for articles and things along those lines because you can go, hey, we can see these things are happening here and, and, and here's a visualisation of that. But you can't just whack it into, a, into an Excel spreadsheet and go, here's a bar graph that shows you this player against this player. Yeah, selfishly, it, it kills a lot of what I'm doing. And being like August anyways, like my motivation to do statistical work is relatively low. Because um, a lot of the, um, when when Manny took Corsica down, that, that took a lot of different interesting options away. Yeah. And David's, now that that's gone, geez. Hope you like hero <laughs> charts. <laughs> Well, that's that's where you're at, isn't it? I mean, once again, it's it's visualization again, and it, that's the, the 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 problem with that stuff, as great as it is, is that that's an accumulation of numbers across seasons. It doesn't give you the opportunity to break things down into segments of seasons, and so you can try and see why a team suddenly hits a slump, or why a team is suddenly uh, breaking out, or why a player is going through the same sorts of situations or scenarios. It's it 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 makes the the microanalysis a little bit harder. I mean, you've got Stimson stuff that's been absolutely fantastic, but you know, as as a writer or a creator of content, you want to be able to have control over what you're looking at and what you're trying to find. I mean, just yesterday, I did a mailbag for the reasons I stated before. I did, you know, topics are hard <laughs> to come by right now. As as for the Penguins, you're waiting on the third line center trade. And that could take a while. But, you know, I had a mailbag. Somebody asked me a, a Yager question, and I'm a sucker for just answering them, even if it's not relevant. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I, people are questioning, can he still do okay? And, you know, I went on hockey analysis, points per 60, 175, Hornquist, 177, and easily could pull up their most common line mates and, you know, start the conversation there. Yeah. And I'm going to – it's not that I don't think somebody else will come step up to the plate. It's it's really difficult for someone like myself that needs to use this stuff daily and you don't always have time in the day, whether like when my school year starts and I'm doing it during a free block or when I'm at home and I have three young kids. Like I don't have as much time to – waste looking stuff up and when you get into a habit and and a routine of a website and you know where everything is it makes it so much easier and it feels like every year and a half you gotta you gotta relearn a site well you streamline your, your processes to try and get you done and then it all disappears and i heard that microsoft is getting rid of paint on me too 
Yeah, just use paint.net. Yeah, but I, I Microsoft Paint. Once again, got to learn something new. <laughs> I just take screenshots of the Excel and make my charts that way. Nah. Ah, fries, right. Exactly. So, um, did, was there anything else on that front that you wanted to add? No, it just it just makes it difficult for us, really, as as people that want hockey to to think differently. Those avenues for the general public are getting you know taken away. It's it's hard. I mean, the internet is a, a great resource. <clears throat> excuse me, a great resource. But when you're starting to lose the ability to, for want of a good way to put it, prove things prove things with numbers it it falls back into what it was in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s Phil opinions you just get to you just get to write whatever you want and how does it get refuted it doesn't and that's i think the thing that's disappointing for me for the the discourse in hockey what's great though is that you know you can see teams are actually taking this stuff seriously so hopefully the product on the ice improves because of that that's probably the, the big thing for me. Actually, there's one more thing to bring up, which it's ludicrous that this isn't one of the main resources for the hockey community. Fuck NHL.com, by the way. Yeah. What a piece of shit site they have. The fact that no, we, we keep losing all these, these other sites and it's crippling is because the NHL site is such a sack of shit. You can't do any work from it. But they don't. They don't believe in it. That's the the reality. It's, it's like they don't fucking league. Like the NBA sites, terrific. Yeah. Baseball has uh, what is it? Statcast or whatever. Oh, baseball. No, I know, but that. <laughs> but the I suppose, sites have I suppose... the stuff. The thing for me is they get past this next lockout. I'm hoping they end up with a new commissioner who takes a different attitude towards the way the the league interacts with its fans and they get a whole revamp of of particular things like that. But it it comes down to what the owners want. I mean, they need to actually work out that they have to connect with the younger generations so that they want to be involved with the sport as fans, ignore as players. Um, that they want to be involved as fans and they need to stop looking at, at it from a backwards point of view and, and try to think forward. But yeah, and even I don't, the commissioners uh, like uh, discrediting the interest in, in even salary cap stuff. Yeah, which is a lot of fucking garbage. I mean, everybody needs – there's a goddamn salary cap. You need to know what everyone's getting paid to see how they fit under the cap so you can understand decisions that are made. It's It's like, oh – so yeah, well, Manny, I hope Corsica comes comes back. Yeah, because without that, yeah. Well, I guess I can make up whatever the fuck I want now. Then pretty much. Well, yeah, okay, I won't say that. But yes, you're right. You could. <laughs> Who's gonna fact check it? All your commenters. Well, they already do that. So, Nothing to fact check yeah. So, that's that. Thank you to um, David and Kevin uh, for, for yeah. you know their contributions to the community, um, and especially David. He he did it for twelve years. I think he was the longest running 
stats. So I think so. Yeah. Damn. Okay. So Pittsburgh stuff. Yeah, they're waiting on third line center, but they did um, take care of two of their bigger moves of the off season, I guess, with avoiding arbitration for both Brian Dumoulin and Connor Sheary. What Dumoulin got a what a shade over four million for six years? I think so. And then Sherry got a three times three. I, I, it's it's funny the the amount of money spent per year on both is about what I expected, just not the split. I wasn't expecting the split to be the way it was. I'm not shocked at that, but I. I my personal value valuation on it would have been flip like you're suggesting. Yeah. What which player would is there a player you want to start with? We'll start with Dumoulin. That was the first one that was signed. Okay, so I mean four point one over six is I'm you know so he has to show some more offense to make that four point one worth it. That's all. It's not a bad it's not, contract. It's not a good contract. It's. I think they paid UFA price for an RFA. I guess if you want to look glass half full, they ate up some UFA years. Well, they ate up a few UFA years, really. So there, there is value in that. Can't ignore that. But um, it's really tough to overlook the offensive or lack thereof production. Particularly when you look at his quality of teammate. Which was what I what hockey analysis helped me with. <laughs> um, yeah. He, he's, he's on the ice with Sid a ton. He's on the ice with Latang a ton. I, he's a good passer. Facilitates. I, I know we've talked about this before, but like it's so weird. It's, it's one of those things where you get there and go, okay, so say he doesn't actually produce any counting stats, but his breakout pass, his, you know, his ability to get the puck out of the zone with control is like at some astronomical amount of like 80%. That to me is, has got just as much value as getting secondary assists on things. It's like being able to have controlled entries as well. If he's got a really high rate of controlled entries, I'm like, okay, the 4.1... Is, is worth it, and I'm, I'm okay with that. It just comes down to if Latang goes out and he has to move up and down the lineup, can he hold a pair to him? Can he hold up a pair on his own? And probably looking at the fact that he played the entire playoffs with Ron Hainsey and he wasn't a tyre fire, even though he did kind of get caved in possession-wise in his own end, probably suggests that the 4.1 is going to be worth it in the long run. Um it just comes down to do you trust that if he stays where he is currently right now, is that worth 4.1 over 6 or are they banking on him getting better past the age of 25, which is rare? Yeah, I'm not looking for better. I'm looking to sustain realistically. Now, Dumoulin with Latang, Dumoulin can play top pairing minutes because Latang is going to elevate the partner and he's in... It kind of Dumoulin is the modern uh, defensive defenseman. Correct. That, yep. Argument there. Where they signed Skidari to, to quote unquote babysit Latang, which was a terrible idea. But that kind of thinking is is what the Brian Dumoulin 
uh, style of player could be effectively and is when they're together. But man, you can't keep Brian Dumoulin in a top pairing role with a guy like Ron Hainsey. That's just silly. I know they got away with it, and you know people probably wrote, some people roll their eyes at, at what we're saying. Oh, they well they won the cup, and it's like well, you know when the when the, goal, wrong, when the goalies the stop everything, it, it kind of helps <laughs> prop a lot of things up. Yeah, uh, I don't know, just. I just get confused at times with the money that they throw out to certain players, but then the other players they play hardball with. It's just, they're obviously valuing different things to what you and I say, which is fine. It's just sometimes it doesn't feel like there's any rhyme or reason. What I will say is adding another contract in that mid-tier range, you really have to start looking at some of these other ones as we move to the future. Ali Mata being the elephant in the room. Well, a, I don't know what they do with their with their defense core because of the handling of, of other assets around the back end. They they have quite a few defensemen now. So if, if we were to hypothetically options. throw Dumoulin Latang, Cole Schultz. Hunwick, uh, would it be Marta? Well, it would be Hunwick and Marta, although you could move Marta for Deshane and, and just throw um, Pulley up, up there in a sheltered but, but role. still Ruedel. Yeah. And th- none of those eight are obviously waiver eligible. So Pouliot's going to... Be up and down again. No, he can't go down. Oh, he's, that's right. He's on a one-way, isn't he? Well, he was always on a one-way for money. One-way contract doesn't... Hang on. So are you telling me now that if he goes down, he's on waivers? Yes, that is what I'm Once saying. Once they bring him up. Yeah, one-way contract just means Jesus they're getting Christ. paid an NHL salary, salary even when they, they drop down. Yeah. Two-way does not mean they're not waiver um, cleared. That just yeah. means when they go down, they get paid peanuts, relatively speaking. Well, so, yes, his waiver status is up. He's They've kind of burned through that. They made the most of it. I'll give them that. Yeah. They still don't know what they have in him as an asset. They don't know whether he's up to it or not, though. That's probably my the thing that drives me nuts the most with all of this, is that you just don't know what you've got in that asset. That's all. Yeah, and, you know, Mata hasn't really played all that well the last few years, and, you know, thankfully for him, he, he got to play some sheltered minutes with Niskanen and really build up that uh, kind of reputation. They've got they've got two very tradable assets in Mata and Hornquist, and three even if you look at Carl Hagelin, I suppose. So it's not like they don't have options for that third-line center. They I'm can not, make I'm it. Not, I'm not worried about that third-line center trade. Something will come along. Yeah. No, no, that, that's, that's what I mean. Like, of, of all the things that I am happy with with, um, with the general manager is he's not rushed a decision here on this. 
you can go into the season with the roster the way it is. The bottom six well, uh, is not going to destroy. It's not going to destroy them at the start of the year. They're not going to come out and be two and ten or something because of their bottom six. Uh, yeah, probably not. But you know, they can't wait forever on it. True. Totally agree. I think pieces will start falling into place as they get going. I think a big part of it was getting Dumlin and Shiri out of the way so they have some uh, specific numbers to work with in order to yeah. work that cap. So, yep. And and say what you will, Rutherford has been pretty straightforward, honest with his comments to the media during his Pittsburgh term. And he seems to think he has trades in the back of his pocket right now that aren't necessarily the ones he wants, but, you know. If he had to, they, he would. If they had to find a guy, I think they could. But maybe not a Bozak or an Eric Stahl or something like that. Yeah. Do you... So fundamentally, are you happy with the 4.1? I didn't think they... Not like livid or upset i just it's a little much by 500k or so just because of the offensive stuff i mean and 500k in a bubble is not the worst thing ever but when you start getting near that cap ceiling and where you could save you know that kind of stuff can add up yeah, and that's that's the challenge in itself right there. That's the problem, is trying to work that part of it out. So where they make up for it is um, Connor Sheary, I thought, came in uh, lower than I thought. And that's actually a very good deal. So have they basically got there and said he's underperformed in two playoff runs and he had a real tail off, even though it was caused by injury, and that's what they're worried about. I, just, I don't understand it. I mean, he has, he's got to play with the best player in the world, and his points per 60 is the best in the league. So I don't know what else you can ask for from Connor Sheary in that situation. It is, a, it is a smaller right sample, at, though. He, we're talking a season and a half. You know what I mean? But it's, but, but it's tough to know, ignore I, leading the NHL in such an important category. Yeah, that's all. I, I just... I just get confused with the with the fact that they'll let Brian Zubel and slide on the fact that he can't create any offense, yet Shearer goes out there and produces at a ridiculous rate, and they... No. That's all. And if you look at Shearer's initial NHL year where he played half the year before they won the Cup, the, the 2015-16, you know, it's most common line mate, I think, was Kevin Porter. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> so, like, yes, Sidney Crosby playing with him is a big deal. You're going to see a bump, obviously. But at what point do you stop holding it against the player when they when they lead the league? And, like, if you look at all of Crosby's wingers, none of them have ever led the league in that. In fact, Sheary's the only non-Crosby Melkin player to lead the team in points per 60, except for the one year where Crosby and Melkin didn't play enough games to make themselves eligible. That year, Chris Kunitz did. 
the 2010-11 season. Yeah. So, yeah, Sid boosted him, but damn, was that a boost. Yeah, it's not all Sid. As great as Sid is, it's like there's definitely some player himself involved in, in what's going on there. So it's just funny how it works. It's like I mean, how many hashtags over the years? Winger for Sid. Winger for Sid. Like, well, you got one now for three million, and the other one's seven hundred k. So, like, good. This is a very good contract. Even if he regresses, he's not. Of course, he's not going to be three point oh one again. That's that would be ludicrous to expect that. Um, even if he was like at one point eight, that's a huge drop off. But we're talking about a three million dollar price point. Well, one point eight value higher than Hornquist, who's four point two five. So, and Hornquist's most common line mates last year, and I looked uh, just recently before the site went down. Uh, number, one, number one, Sid. Number two, Malkin. So let's yeah. let's be real here. Quality of teammate has never been an issue on the Penguins for Hornquist. No. Any, except in the playoffs when he got demoted to the fourth line. Although that was, to be fair, that was injury related. It was bad. Bad so, hand injury. Uh, it's. It's lucky being a Penguins fan because whilst there is literally nothing going on in the hockey world, there are a lot of questions for this team. Um, you know, first chance in forever for somebody to try and go for a three-peat. Um, they're not in a bad spot to try and do it. You know, it's definitely not a – it's definitely a work-in-progress roster, um, and they do have flexibility to make changes to it. It'll just be – Interesting to see what the general management and the coaching staff value in regards to ticking it over and making it work again. Yeah, Rutherford had a lot more to do this summer, and, and so far I, I have to say he's, he's done okay. Yeah, no, he's surprised me. He hasn't done anything egregious. Um, he's been rather restrained. Um, getting Fleury off the books certainly helped. Um, and... Had yeah, to happen. Even, had to happen. It, it did. They even if they had to overpay to get rid of him, which they didn't. Um, you know, they're in a they're in a pretty good spot. I mean, it's it's up to him to either make it work well or screw it up. So it's not going to be anybody else's fault. Which, as a general manager, that's all you can sort of ask for, really. Yeah, I mean, the Hunwick signing, whatever. It's, I, I would have just. Let Pouliot or Ruedel or whoever. That's I think that's what worries me about the Hunwick signing is that they just they still whether it's the coaching staff or the management don't trust Pouliot at all, and that concerns me for a team that can do with quality skating, puck moving defensemen. For a team that needs to escape the zone quickly and with accurate passing, the skill sets that he has, and they want to sit there and profess that he's working his own zones, not great. It says here from John Shannon of Sportsnet. Sorry to interrupt and ship gears. Right, okay. Hearing the flames are ramping up their already progressive analytics group. Looks like David Johnson, who ran hockey analysis and puckalytics, will be joining the flames. Well, there you go. 
Okay. Well, fuck you, Calgary. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that made me laugh. (laughs) So, well, congrats to David. Job well done. Ah, that's all good. Oh, good grief. That hurt. Um, Yeah, that makes sense. Although, back to the Penguins, um, while most of the offseason's been good, I did overlook that really shitty trade that I hate. The uh, the Ryan Reeves trade. Cause, yeah. Because you get there and it's stealing a right winger spot on a team that's loaded with right wing. Which I guess can be a, a, a blessing if it means moving one of them for something else. But right now I'm looking at Kessel, Hornquist, Sheary, and or Gensel. Brian Rust and Reeves. True Knuckle. And then you've got the well, young guys Kuhn as Huckle's well. Left. You know, I don't see a spot for Kuhn Hockle on this roster anymore. No, you've, you've made that clear. But you've got young guys that could come up as well and mm, be cheaper than Reeves. I don't think you do. Who? You don't Who? want to bring Sprong up? Okay, sorry. I was thinking um, the not the, not Aston Reese and Sprong. I was thinking like... Uh, like a Dominic Simon, is he really um, a guy? Garrett Wilson, these are guys that I think Tom Sestito. <laughs> Not really what you, you're looking for there. But, um, yeah, I didn't mean to totally disregard Sprong. Well, here's the thing with Sprong. The transfer agreement, um, I have no problem starting him in the AHL because – with the right wing depth there, who's he beaten out? No, that's right. But I mean, you've got the option later on to bring him up if you can. So it, it, it's supposed, I don't know. I think the thought process behind bringing him on, which was he's going to help protect the players that are getting beat up, is just that's the thing I think that frustrates me the most about it. Ignore the very relevant point you made, which was he's taking a roster spot from a skilled player who can make plays on a fourth or a third line, defeats what bloody the coach tries to do. Sullivan was far from excited in his public comments about the decision to bring him on board. Oh, you think? <laughs> I don't re- I don't remember. I just remember him saying, oh, I can't remember what it was. It just, they weren't what I would actually call... I think it was about puck retrieval, and oh, I can't remember. But it wasn't, it wasn't something that I would say, considering that it was one of the few moves that happened around the time for the Penguins. That Sullivan wasn't what I'd call, you know, yay. Yeah. But even Aston Reese is a right winger in college. I think they're going to try him at left wing professionally, but these spots they get eaten up, and for what? I don't know. I just, I don't get it. So, anywho, we don't need to talk about Pittsburgh's lower-end depth stuff just now. Um, $7 million for Dumoulin and Sherry, not, not bad. No, yeah, like I said, <clears throat> the breakdown of it was the thing that confused me, but the total of it for the two players, that's fine. They've got themselves 3.2 space. 
they're looking like they're going to be okay for their options moving forward through the season with some space and also, you know, having some extra money in case they need it. And then we'll see what what Matt Cullen does. I know I had a mailbag question. Cullen comes back, can he play 3C? And no, no. No, no, you need him as your 4C, yeah. Great, great 4C when you look at the market out there. Carter Rowney, I don't like the idea of him being like the the four C. The nice thing about Cullen is you get a little bit of an injury thing happen. Yeah, he could jump up three C. He did it in the playoffs when Benino went down. But it's not super effective anymore for him. Because he's forty. It just the other problem though is if you have him pop up into the third line center spot, the fourth line loses some of its effectiveness. The reason that He's so good as a fourth line center is theoretically he's a three and a half, not really a four. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So great. Yes. Great slot for for the team there. Great. Yeah. Um, tweener value. It's just that you you can't overextend it for long periods of time. And you know I hope they do well with the third line center thing and having Carter Rowney available. I believe Pittsburgh leads the NHL with 19 back-to-back games. They should probably think about if, if, if you know, I'm putting the cart ahead of the horse here a little bit, but say Colin does come back, give him some nights off in that kind of role. Keep him fresher. Well, I'd like to see them rotate Latang, Crosby, Malkin, all of them on those back. That might happen, but that would be, for me, Probably like there's 19 haven't missed six games out of those those 19 back to backs. It's tough with those guys and scoring titles yep. and st- stuff they want totally. to chase. Yep, totally get it. And six games could be the difference between all of that. Although I have a feeling McDavid might streak the field this year. Yeah, he's a freak. He's gonna take that. Uh, he's he's gonna take that baton probably next yep. year. I would suggest so. <laughs> which will be the first time someone actually does it. Unless <laughs> <laughs> uh, Claude Giroux hit it, hit it in a closet somewhere in his residence. Yes, that's true. That slippery baton. <laughs> so, uh, anything else Pittsburgh-related that we're overlooking? No, 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 no. Oh, I do want to throw out a, a shout-out to Mike Colligan, who did the, the Pensburg arbitration, and had I think he had Dumoulin at pretty much 4 mil. Nailed it. But I, and I know it didn't go to arbitration, but so Mike, no, no. good job. Um, next up, I, did, did I, I reference Minnesota earlier, yep. Yeah, the, the needs and the, and the grands. Yeah, good good deals there, I think. It looks like a lot of money on the surface, but man, those two are good players. Nino Niederreiter and Michael Granlin. That Niederreiter trade is the gift that keeps giving to Minnesota. <laughs> Kel fucking Clutterbuck, man. Man, the Islanders. We might bleed into some Islanders talk later. I know I said before the podcast, probably not. <laughs> in, in some other words. But, um... Nita Ryder's fantastic. Yeah. And I'd have some stats for you, but um, I'm going to have to relearn how to do this. Uh, 
I'll pull up his hero chart just as a basis starting point. Uh, he's a good possession driver. Great, great yeah. possession player, and very good offensively. You know, I mean, they've got him through to twenty nine or thirty there, depending on when his actual birth date is. So, you know, five point two five. I tell you what, you hear five point two five, and it does feel like a lot of money. It's not, not for that. No, no, that's the thing. It's a good contract. I actually saw some wild people online upset about it, which is it's too much. Oh, yeah, I... oh wow, he's he's good he's... here. All right, so really? yeah, got his hero chart up here, and it's basically a one through ten system on the current ones, and the mean is five, so you know pretty basic scale goals seven first assist so primary assist six shot generation seven shot suppression ten talking selky style defense here but he's not a center so i'm uh <laughs> no but like i know all the the offensive stuff is is above average and then the shot suppression is totally elite and when you look at the line graphs on the bottom his primary points per hour and shot impact it's funny, once he gets to Minnesota, he's five or above, and now he's climbing on both. He's he's rising, and they're going to have him for his prime, and it's, like I've said, great signing. It's, it's funny, I was sort of looking at, looking at this Minnesota team, and I really thought just the way they crashed out last year might have been a big problem for them, but they're actually positioned all right to have another red hot crack that central division is a little weird to me now the balance of power there's sort of shifted so well i think nashville's still there oh no that's what i mean i mean nashville has always sort of been there and thereabouts but not what i would have not what i would have said to be a dominant force like they struggled through the year to, to you know backed all their way into the playoffs it wouldn't surprise me if if minnesota and, and nashville were playing off for the central division title really yeah, Minnesota got. Uh, they got hollacked. They they got unlucky in round one last year, pretty much. But uh, at least they're staying the course and not overreacting. Boudreaux would have to be thankful for that, considering what happened to Washington when he was there. So Grandland's actually going to make more money. Uh, Short of length. His, his goals are four. His first assists are eight. So he's a great playmaker. And he's 5-5 five and five on the possession stuff, so I don't know how much of that's role-related. That's the only issue we have with the hero chart. It's a great starting point, but to get more context, you need more information, and I cannot pull up his most common line mates right now. Screw you, Calgary. <laughs> uh, so, apologies. Uh, as you can see, we were very well-researched before coming on tonight. Uh, it was a light decision. Yeah, Cam had to wait till the the fish pay per view ended. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what I was waiting for? <laughs> yes, non-negotiable. Right. No, that's fine. So, pretty pretty okay there. Uh, Miko Koivu only has one, this upcoming year left at six point seven five million. 
I can't imagine his next deal is going to be in that ballpark, so they'll get a little bit of cap relief. Uh, Zach Parise, one, two, three, four, five, six. He's still uh, got eight more years on that thing. <laughs> to infinity and beyond. Yes, pretty much. Uh, Eric Stahl at $3.5 million the next two years is, is outstanding. Tyler Ennis, uh, depends if he can rebound from concussions. What do you make of Charlie Coyle? At 3.2 mil, probably he's he had a nice year last year, I think. He's kind of one of those guys is... that took a little while, like you heard his name, and just yeah. took a little bit to get going. But uh, goals, five, assists, seven, shot generation, five, shot suppression, four. So um, offensively seems to be doing okay. Don't look for a ton possession-wise, but also not drowning. Because Nico Koivu is legitimately a number two center playing a number one center role, right? So what are they going to do when they either move on from him or, like, is Mikhail Gremlin going to... Sorry? Koivu's decline has started. Yeah. So what are they going to do for a number one center? Are they banking on Gremlin being that guy? Um, Maybe they... Maybe it's not a number one. They don't have really a number one center, so to speak. They don't have but really a, a number But a platoon of Koivu, Granlund, and Stahl is pretty good. And Coyle, I think, can do center. I don't know if he did. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just curious what they do moving forward this year because, you know, Koivu's been a centerpiece of that franchise for so long that it's, it's like, how do you go about? Is Mikhail, because I think Mikhail, oh, they've got two number two centers in, in my mind. Um, yeah, Koivu's like, 34, yeah. so. Yeah. His possession's still outstanding, though. He's he's a shot suppression of nine, so him and Niederreiter are both great at that. But his goals are only three, so he's not really pumping in the net a lot. No. So it'll just, oh, just, it'll be an interesting, it'll be an interesting progression over the next 12 months in regards to what happens with the way that that roster is structured up. I, like, I don't think they'll trade him. Like, he's got a no-movement clause, and he'll go to RFA at the end of the year. Sorry, to UFA at the end of the year. So. Koivu? Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, maybe he comes back. And, and again, I'd, I'd be surprised if he was up near 7 mil again. Well, I couldn't see there being a point with that. You'd have to sort of – if I was Minnesota, I'd be saying you're going to take an Eric Stahl deal. So, and it makes a good point. I, I like Eric Stahl as a as a Pittsburgh option from a one sided view, but when you oh, yeah. when you start looking at the 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 center stuff they got going on, uh, maybe it doesn't make so much sense for for Minnesota. No, it's just too too many too many questions and a lack of of NHL ready depth at that position. That's all. So, I guess we'll do a weird segue from Niederreiter to Clutterbuck to the Islanders, if you'd like. <laughs> Cranking some gears on that one. Yeah. I like it. Um, I guess my main, well, the Calvin DeHaan resigned for one year, uh, 3.3 mil? Three, yep, that's it. The issue here. Again, Gareth Snow is a very fascinating GM. <laughs> he's, he's different, isn't he? So they didn't protect him in the 
expansion draft, but they kind of paid Las Vegas a lot to not take certain players from him. So I, you can kind of overlook him not being protected because they had a, a deal in place. Yeah. Do you, I can't remember who did they take the goalie, uh, the Boucher goalie. Was that what happened? I can't remember. Don't ask me to go back. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't think of it either. I'm trying to look at Las Vegas's roster right now. There's too many names. Griffin Reinhardt was Edmonton. It's not... Used to be. I mean, used to be an Islander, right? Yeah. Oh, Grabowski. Whole... Grabowski. Oh, crap. This whole franchise runs around whatever happens to JT, basically. Well, I, w- I, w- I did want to get to that. Um, but the the problem with DeHaan signing, he's a UFA next year. Yeah. Like, they totally yep. did, got nothing out of his <laughs> RFA years. Uh, admittedly, they're not alone in, in this situation where... Coaches and general managers don't make the most out of the cheapest part of players' contracts. Yes, it's not. You're right. It's not independent. Or the Islanders aren't the only ones. So they've got a, such a weird roster. Okay, so now we can transition to what you were talking about. Can Can anybody give me a good reason why John Tavares should stay? And a New York Islander, because because I can't think of any. I can give you a reason, but it's not a good one, and it would just be perceived loyalty and wanting to be there until they turn it around. Be where they don't even know where is. Yeah, well, there's there's a bazillion reasons for him to leave. I've got no. You're the franchise guy. You don't even know what fucking town you're gonna play in. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I. For a player that, when he did play sports, left the club to go to another club, the club just wears out its welcome on the player at times. And the way the Islanders have gone, I would not surprise me at all if that's how JT felt. He's got to leave. If he stays, it's just an utter waste. He's he's given them... He's been in the league a while now, so it isn't like this is like a guy bolting, uh, holding out as an RFA. He's he's going to be 27 when this year starts, and going to Wikipedia to kind of check how many years he's been. One, two, three, four, five. It'll be eight years. He's 26. It'll be his ninth year next year. Yeah. He's been there almost a decade. They haven't done shit. Nope. And... On a sweetheart deal of five point five million for five years. So my next question here is that okay, say he goes to UFA. Is he going he he's not going to want a sweetheart deal again, right? Anywhere. Oh no, somebody's so, gonna have to, to pay him big time. So are we looking at a ten million plus kind of deal? Yeah, probably. Over seven years? Because they can't give him eight, so it's gonna have to be seventy something mil. Yeah. And the only reason I'm asking this is that <clears throat> not that Tavares has shown any signs at all of, of, of regressing, 
but you're not expecting any more out, like any improvement in his output considering that he'll be 27 signing that deal. So is it going, going to end 28 up, year old year? Yeah. So is it going to end up being like the Kane and Taves where you kind of rightfully have to pay them for past performance, but you've overpaid them for past performance and it's really going to put you up against it trying to build around it. You get what I'm saying? I totally do. But here's the problem. The lottery, the way it is now, you can't you can't purposely tank. Which you know there are pros and cons to that. Mostly pros. You don't want teams purposely losing, but I don't blame teams that did when the the structure was set up to do that. But if you're not going to send out RFA offer sheets, how, how do you restock and get a star player? This is the only way. I get what you mean. For a team like. Oh, I don't know, Toronto, to sign a guy like Tavares to fit in with Matthews and and really go for it. That would be like a huge go-for-it move for them. There's a heap of teams that could do that. You could try them in at Buffalo as well. No, I don't see that because, well, John Tavares, the lacrosse player, his uncle, is a legend in Buffalo, Band, Buffalo Bandit, by the same name. Okay. Uh, no, they got O'Reilly and Eichel. Yeah, but my point being, you, I, you're right in that context. But it's like imagine having those three down the middle. I don't. I know Buffalo's in okay cap space right now. I don't know if they could throw a 10, 10 mil there. Well, you throw a ten mil at him. It's like, what do you do with the Eichel? when that actually comes up as well, all of a sudden a lot of that cap space, Jimmy's out. Yeah. Um... It's, just, it's, it's, it's hard because there are definitely teams that, that could do with taking him on board. Arizona. Not that, you know, maybe probably not his number one choice, but teams like that, that I think Arizona had a good off season. I Feels know. like they're pushing in the right direction. Um, just trading for Ovi. Yeah, but that doesn't help New York either. If it, that doesn't stop Garth Snow. I mean, if you're... You know, here's what I think the Islanders are going to do. Probably not going to trade him. It's going to be a Stamco situation, except the player's not going to be like, yeah, I guess I'll come back. Yeah. It'd just be fascinating to see where he ends up. I know I beat up on the Devils a lot, but like the Devils make more sense for John Tavares than the Islanders do. If if it came to that, with you could run Nico as two, Tavares as one. All of a sudden, if that was the case, because they get him for free, and you, you got know, Hall yeah. and Johansson. Yeah, yep. Henrik. That's just can become it's a third just line tidying center. Up. It's tidying up that back end a little bit more, and you do have one of the top five goalies in the league back there. Um, you eh, suddenly have for much up. longer though. Schneider's yeah, older than people think. I oh, know because he's. I think he's thirty now. A lot of Sorry. wasted years in Vancouver when they couldn't figure out the goalie stuff, and then some wasted years on some bad Devils teams. Even though he was terrific. Well, the other problem was they. I still say they win the cup if they had him as their starting goalie and not Brodeur, but that's a conversation for a different podcast. 
What about the Carolina Hurricanes for John Tavares? Well, that comes down to whether the owners are New going. Owner. New owner. Yeah, I know. And if they're happy for him to spend to the cap, then all of a sudden you've got stalls where he should be, which would be second or third line center. Second. He's a second line center all day. You know, because he's playing above his, his, his weight at the moment, really. Mm. So. Not really. He just gets shitty wingers most of the time, but this year he finally got some good ones, and he pr- produced some good offense. Because they seem to have their back end pretty. I mean, they just re-signed Brett Pesci as well. And so, Slavin. Yeah. And they got Hannafin mm-hmm. and Falk. That that's solid, and, and none of them are breaking the bank really. No, uh, I mean you know Hannafin's got to come up with that. I'm telling you, the Hurricanes are an intriguing John Tavares uh, destination, I think. No argument from me. And it just comes down to if they want to spend the, spend them all up. They have all. 17 mil in cap space right now with a full it's roster. Doable. Yep. Yeah. It's doable. Yeah. That's, I, I like that idea, actually. Probably won't happen, but... No, what would be great for Carolina is if they could trade for Tavares and then they have his contract, so then they can give him eight years. You don't want to not... give him eight years, though. Uh, what's that take him through? To 32? No. 34. It takes him to 34. 35. It's tw- 26. Whoa. Do you think Tavares is going to have that much of a... And this is, this is always the question, isn't it? Do you think he's going to have that much of a drop-off? His birthday September 20th. He will be 27 to start this year. His contract this wouldn't kick year. in until 28. So if you give him eight so that years, that's 36. 36. So do you think he's going to be a Joe Thornton and still produce at a high level through to 36? Because Thornton was amazing at 36. Or do you think he's going to have a Phil Kessel kind of slide? Like that's they're the risks that you, you take. You look at the type of game Tavares plays, and it's not overly physical. I don't think for a player that wasn't particularly fantastic at skating when he first came into the league and has improved, it would particularly have that drop off. Unless he has a Chris Kunitz hand disappearance, I wouldn't be too uncomfortable paying him to 36. Well, that's the kind of guy you'd think about doing it for. Yeah, like you're not going to do it for you know, a different kind of... <laughs> well, yeah, in itself, but... Yeah, it's just that they're the, they're the sorts of players that you take those gambles on. Because in his peak prime years, Carolina are going to be awesome. You know, he'll be he'll be good through to, I would confidently say, through to 32. Yeah. And that's, you know, five or six years now of, of quality Tavares in amongst a roster that is young and, and looking so much better. This will never happen, of course, because... No, but when I look around the the league and cap space and team setup and and to sign Tavares, you don't want him to be the – well, let me be careful how I word this. (laughs) You do want him to be the centerpiece because he's he's an amazing player. But what I mean is you you want to have other – if you're signing him as a UFA and knowing that you're probably not going to get a lot, ton on maybe the last three years of that, 
you you want to have like a young ish team yeah. to support that kind of contract, and and I think they they have that team. So, I mean, Cal, if you're looking at it in regards to age bracket of, of teams, right? In regards to you want a young roster that theoretically can have someone come in and take over for him as he does start to fall back to a second or a third line output. You know, Calgary uh, are young in, in certain aspects of their roster. Buffalo are young. They're not necessarily the, the right rosters to jump into for the reasons you stated earlier, but they're at least young with that potential to come through. Philadelphia would be another one. They've got good young defensemen. You know, trade Giroux, Giroux sign yep. Tavares. Yep. Just trade Giroux to the Islanders. Do it. Do the unthinkable and trade in division. Islanders wouldn't get the best of that. Giroux is decline has started. Yep. No, I realize that. He's, he's, I know, don't want to be cruel and say he's a power play specialist, but yeah, it's closer. It's him, closer to that than it's not. Would you go to Florida if you were if you were Tavares? Not right now. Looking at all the dog shit moves they're making, and apparently cutting, but, they're cutting salary. So. I don't know how the you money would You look at the way that roster's, that roster's sort of sitting there in that moment. It's like you just you whack them someone like Tavares. and like all four stuff. top six players for in, just because they were inept. Marchessault, Riley yeah. Smith, uh, and who else? I'm missing. Jager. Jager. One more. Oh, Jokinen. Yeah. Yeah, they're just they're shit. They had a good thing going. They fucked it up. It's it will be fascinating to see because he's the biggest name floating around. Who's that? Tavares. Like you know, he's he's it coming out this year. It's kind of a dickhead thing to say, but I, maybe if Tavares does leave the Islanders, that maybe that's the the team that goes to Quebec. Cause... The franchise, the franchise has never been able to work itself out, has it? They don't really have a home rink right now. Well, and if they really lose very... their poster child, what is there? A lot of mediocrity and blah. Yeah. Right. I'd, oh, I'd, it, it, going through the Penguin stuff and the relocation potential. Like, I don't wish it on teams, but. With Carolina being bought up and not relocating, I could see the Islanders being a candidate. So you'd move him to Quebec and not move him to Seattle? Correct, because I think that you need to keep the... Uh, Quebec's getting a team, but you, you can't add a, another East... You know what I mean? To keep the... Try to get the you need it to be a relocation. You need it to be a relocation. It makes sense. I get what you're saying. I, I didn't word that quite well, but I think people can gather what I was getting at. <laughs> the expansion, Plus, another one yes. would be Seattle. Yeah, and they want the money from the expansion anyway. Or Arizona. Yeah. Who the hell knows what's going on with that? And you know what we haven't discussed hmm. is uh, Ryan Johansson. Oh, that's. You know, we we were talking before the podcast. What are we missing? Because it's been like twelve days, and it's tough to 
remember everything, especially with how busy we've both been, not really dialed into this stuff. Uh, I mean, you, you, you went to the British Open. I did. And I managed to not get pissed on in rain, which was thankful. You asked me for a few golfers to watch, and I believe I told you the the, cha- the eventual champion was one of them. Yeah, I got to watch him for a few holes. It's so hard getting around that goddamn golf course. Any golf course. It's a it's tough. you got to really camp out or follow a guy. It's a, or... It is a dog-eat-dog world as well when you're following him. I actually followed Tiger when they had the PGA here at 2013 when he was still actually playing golf. And even though he wasn't <laughs> good anymore, man... You had to be on your A game if you were following him, even in the practice round. Yeah. It's just crazy. Um, but, yeah, to, to, to your point, Johansson, I don't really have too much of a problem with that deal because the alternative is losing that player, and you're not going to gain that player back, and you've already expended, you know, Assets. There, there are sunken cost fallacies to where you don't move on from paying too much, and that can hurt you. But this isn't that case. He's 24. They've got him to 32, 33. So, very good player. Uh, would have been made for a hell of a Stanley Cup final, I think, if he was healthy. That would have helped a stack. It was disappointing um, from a. Just a like, just something to watch. Point of view as a Penguins fan, I was glad he wasn't playing. But um, yeah, just for the quality of what we would have seen, it would have been great. So that that's a big deal for them. But when you start looking at their center depth, I don't know what choice they really had. I don't think they had to do the Benino thing, though. That that's that's not a good good contract not for that not for that volume not for the i just think 4.1 for that's a lot i mean that i suppose the bonus they've got is they've got guys that are cheap that are contributing yeah Poyle's done a, a remarkable job with yeah um arvidson he he gets these guys early like even forsberg at six is gonna be great Yarn Croak. I don't. I'm not like super high on Yarn Croak like some people are, but at two million, you're gonna get value there. Yeah, I mean, Forsberg's only 22. Like that's the other thing with that. So yeah, they might have to pony up when he hits 28, 29. But he's in. Yeah, he's just he's about to hit. He's not at his top yet. Hard no at one million. Cap- Fantastic. Yeah. Kevin Fiala, who broke his leg, unfortunately, that was another big blow to their team last year he's still under a mill the next two years like they're in such tremendous cap shape even with the the big time Johansson getting rid of that Weber contract is huge for the long term Yossi uh, Ekholm are around four mil Uh, Ellis is 2.5 million the next two years I don't understand the Emelin thing I get I'm just seeing his name there this those are kind of those moves that go under the radar a little bit, and you're like, oh, yeah, that happened. <laughs> uh, for me, it'll just, it'll be interesting for me to see. Their, their bottom pairing kind of hurt them in the playoffs. So are they going to run with their top four defensemen and just push them out and just play the bottom pairing 10 minutes a night? 
Well, or Mando are they going a, a decent bottom pairing guy? Mm, we'll see. No, he is. They've got, I think they've got Emlyn to try and fill that hole on the bottom pairing. They still got Yannick Weber on there too, so yeah, I didn't see a need for Emlyn in three million bucks. That's for sure. No, no. But the the way their cap is set up. They still have six million in space, so it's not really killing them. The, and a deal like oh. Hartnell is tremendous, but they did lose Neil. That that hurts. It does. It, For it nothing, really does. Too. Yeah. They get nothing but they, for it. They get the pieces that they wanted, so they're relying. They're relying on some of these younger guys to actually step up and and. I suppose by committee produced the amount of goals that Neil was producing. Yeah, it just sucks that that was that was one of the bigger expansion draft selections for talent that just kind of went for nothing. Yeah, can't see another guy on that 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 would be higher than that. Do you? No, nope. Neil. I guess Flurry would be the other one. David Perron's not as good as Neil. Nope. So anything else? No, I, I think I'm tapped out. Well, in the coming weeks, we'll um, once we get the Eichel numbers. A uh, lot of rumors today. Uh, Eight-year deal coming up. It's a tough one, though. Tough one to put money on. I suppose you just got to give him whatever he asks. Feels like it. You kind of can't not, I suppose. Nine? nine is nine the number? I would assume so. Um, nine by eight. It's, it's tough. I mean, I think he'll be a point-per-game player this season. So it's like you need to lock him up, lock him up at nine, and and at least then you know. It's, well, I suppose the bonus they've got is that I would trust, um, I would trust Botterill to get this right more so than get it wrong. Well, Eichel has all the leverage though. But I can't see the team. The team literally purposely lost many many hockey games and has not recovered from gutting the roster to do that. To get, I, they, they wanted McDavid, but the, the the whole point was, at worst, you get Eichel, and they did. Yeah. Yep. I think eight point five to nine would be my best guess. If it hits ten, they've overpaid. It's tough too because, you know, depending on what stats you're using, being on such a shitty team, it's tough to. Evaluate. I mean, if you look at it from an ego point of view, he has to be the highest paid player on that roster. And he will be, so. Right now it's O'Reilly at 7.5. I, I don't... So he'll clear, he'll clear that, and that'll be fine. He's the face of the franchise, and he's super young. The, if you sign him for eight years, you're going to get a great eight years from, a, from that caliber of player. Yeah. 
I know. I think uh, Stimps, Ryan Stimson's. I think his carry-in percentage is tremendous, if I'm recalling it correctly. Stuff like that, he's very good at. And as the defense corps stops puking on themselves every night, maybe he can get some <laughs> controlled exits. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and not have to. Their, their defense is just brutal. It's amazing he's able to do anything. And they had the number one power play last year. He's a big part of that. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this all plans out in the next two years, next two seasons for for that team. They've got some interesting decisions to make with Kane and. Yeah, I think we'll do a little bit with the Sabers next podcast as we get those specific numbers. Uh, Matt Duchesne situation. We'll see if anything happens on that front. Uh, any other uh, Yager if he signs somewhere? Penguins, if they make a third-line center trade. I, there's still some moves to be had this uh, quiet offseason. Trade trade Hornquist for a center and then just sign Jaeger and make you and I happy. Yeah, people hate that idea. Some. Yeah, but I think it's because they hate Jaeger. I, I think that's the... No, they just think Hornquist is magical. There's this aura around that player that I think is unjustified. But He's I a get... good player. That He has value. Yeah, that's... Good contract, 4.2 is great value for what he does, but um, to, to pretend that, I guess my most pet peeve is Yager can't fit because he's too slow. And you watched Hornquist skate? Yeah, there. Hornquist goes to the dirty areas. Who the fuck is better on the wall or close, tight, strong areas than Yager and like the history of the game? Yeah, I know. It's like he's a really good puck retriever and he's a better passer than Hornquist. It's just the dirty, it's the hard work, dirty areas thing that everyone jumps on Hornquist for and says that that's what makes him better. You know, Yager's perceived as a selfish one center, you know isolationist sort of a player. So it's perception. Yeah, whatever. Save it for another day. Good point. I thought we've beaten the shit out of that horse, huh? <laughs> Save it for another day. Um, so we've been lazy with the Facebook thing. You can still like it, though. I've been posting some of the Hockey Buzz stuff, but we haven't had you any have... podcast to put up there. Nope. But you can still like it. You can still give us reviews on iTunes. That would be very helpful. Be grateful for that. Hockeybuzz.com for my Penguins articles. Uh, at Walshy66, at Hockey underscore Hertz, at Gunner Stahl. Uh, oh, speaking of bringing up my Twitter name. See, Goldberg got arrested? Say what? Who? Mighty Ducks goalie. No way! Yeah, he was stealing electronics from uh, Fry's, I think. It's a store. <laughs> oh, that's just sad. He's going to jail for 150 days or something. I guess it's the second time he did that. But even worse, I was actually going <laughs> to... It was such a slow news day that I was actually going to write a blog about him. <laughs> Thankfully, Connor Sheary signed that day, so I didn't have to. <laughs> But yeah, his ex-girlfriend or something, he's telling her she's worthless, he's going to kill her with a machete, and he's peeing on her or something. Jesus! Yeah. So Goldberg, um, as shitty as he is a goalie, 
he's as shitty as a person. Oh, that explains it. Can't catch a puck, but the law caught him. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess that'll do it. Catch you next time, guys. All right. See you.